I'm Christian, and welcome to the Gemoir Leadership Podcast, a show where we talk about effective collaboration, influence, and leadership in an increasingly complex world. My interview partner is Dr. Dirk Schlimm. Dirk is an international leadership expert and the author of Influencing Powerful People. The purpose of this podcast is to share ideas and stimulate discussion, and it does not constitute professional advice of any kind. If such advice is needed, the services of a competent professional should be sought. The speakers, hosts, and Gemar International Incorporated are not to be held responsible for any use, misuse, or reuse of the content. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Gemar International Leadership Podcast. We are so excited to be back for a new season. So if you're returning with us, welcome back. And if you're new to the show, welcome. I'm Christian. I'm the host of your show. A few weeks ago, we celebrated International Coffee Day. And so Dirk and I thought it might be a fun way to kick off our new season with an episode on coffee and the coffee business and how it relates to international business strategy. To help us do that, of course, we have our regular leadership expert, Dirk, with us. So, Dirk, you and I, we celebrated International Coffee Day. It's a big deal for us. It's a big deal for you. I know you love a good cup of coffee. Yes, Christian, that's that's true. And and over the summer, I was on a visit to Amsterdam, and they have an amazing uh, coffee culture there. Brought back a cup, uh, not a cup of coffee, but a bag of coffee beans. And, and of course, I just had a cup of coffee uh, just, just earlier. But... Christian, you're the historian, and uh, as you said, you like a cup of coffee as well. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the history of coffee to start us off with? All right, Dirk, thanks so much. You know I'll never turn down an opportunity to dig into some history. So just to acknowledge, the story of coffee really starts in Ethiopia. But where we see coffee, we, as we could say, entering perhaps a more international conversation was the time when the Turks, or during that period, the Ottoman Turks, brought coffee to Europe. At the time, there was an epic battle taking place between the Ottoman Turkish Empire and the Habsburg monarchy. Today, we could think of Austria, which accumulated with the siege of Vienna, which is still the capital of Austria today. This siege took place in 1683, so at the end of the 17th century. And while the Ottoman Empire eventually had to retreat from the siege, retreat from their battle lines in Austria, they left behind, so to speak, their coffee and the associated culture of coffee houses. These coffee houses, based on this conflict between the Ottomans and the Habsburg monarchy, would eventually see coffee and coffee houses springing up all over Europe, pulling on actually some older communication and older trade and older cultural exchange. But from this moment in the late 17th century, coffee truly went global. And we can say, I think, that our local Starbucks or other coffee shops today are very much an extension of this earlier coffee house phenomenon. Coffee has always been more than a drink or just a stimulant. It has developed a strong association with conversation, with community, and even higher learning. A reality that I think many of us will know is that students love coffee coffee. And so when a student is writing a paper in a Starbucks or they're meeting with their study group in their local coffee house, what they're really doing is pulling on this older, this almost ancient tradition of those early coffee houses started in Istanbul, then exported through Vienna. 
Wow, okay, so that is fascinating. So thanks, thanks, thanks for that. Dirk, you're most welcome. But this isn't a history podcast, as much as I lament that sometimes. We are in a leadership podcast with a focus on business. And so while we did have an episode, if people remember, on Starbucks before, especially the CEO succession at the top of the coffee, coffee house, today we're talking about something else. So, Dirk, why are we back at Starbucks? Yeah, um, so coffee is not only a culinary or cultural success story, but it's also a, a business uh, success story. Because coffee now is a truly uh, global product and a truly global experience and it is dominated by global uh, coffee brands that are in fierce competition with each other because the market is uh, so large and so lucrative and and so the wall street journal for example just reported i guess that's all in connection with international coffee day that one can uh sell a cup of coffee at 80 percent uh markup and and so u.s companies dominate the 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 coffee market today uh starbucks remains the global leaders, uh, but there are also determined competitors who are just looking to get a bigger piece of, of the action. And so they are competing in a very uh, fiercely and smartly uh, um, uh, comp competitive market. And, and those, those players, they, they, can really, they can really teach us some, some, some lessons. Dirk, thanks for that. So Coffee Houses started with a, a history of battle and the battle still wages on now in a different way. So, Dirk, let's dive in now. Where is the coffee competition the hottest, so to speak? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure where the competition is the hottest, hottest, because it's such a global product with such a, a long history. But we are told that a very hot coffee market for sure is in China. And, and people in China are increasingly switching from tea to coffee. And so that makes it uh, a market with a, a great potential. Right, Dirk. So coffee brands and houses have an opportunity now to ride this new wave of coffee interest. Yeah, exactly. And so Starbucks has made a big push into China. And there are also a number of formidable uh, local brands like Luckin uh, Coffee. Uh, but the newest player in China appears to be uh, a Canadian brand or at least a brand with Canadian roots. So, Dirk, I don't know too many Canadian coffee brands. So I'm taking a guess here. Are we talking about Tim Hortons? Yeah, in fact, we are talking about importance or or better Tim's uh, International, oh. and and they have set out on a very aggressive uh, campaign uh, in China, and it's really an excellent example, not just in the coffee business, to to study or see what an international expansion campaign into a uh, lucrative but heavily contested market can can look like. Okay, so Dirk, we need more information. This sounds interesting. Tell us a bit more about it. Yeah, so I recently watched a, I must say, very slick investor presentation, uh, and that is from the owners of, of Tim's International, um, and they're outlining four elements of their China strategy, which is a very, very ambitious uh, strategy. They want to become nothing less than China's premier coffee and bake shop, uh, and that means they have to best global coffee giants like Starbucks and uh, local power brands like, like Luckin. All right, their competition is fierce here. So how are they planning to do that? How is Tim's orchestrating uh, a reconnaissance in the Chinese coffee scene? Do 
people in China like double doubles and Timbits or what's going on here? Yeah, no, and, and Gershon, that is exactly the question. It's a great question. And it actually goes to the first pillar of their strategy. And so people uh, outside of Canada may not even know what what double double is. And since we have listeners outside right. of, of Canada, so that's a coffee with two milk and two uh, sugar. But no, they're not selling uh, the Canadian product version in, in China. That is That is not the strategy. Okay, Dirk. So what is the strategy? Yeah. So so because they have a what, what they call a four-pillar strategy. And, and the first one is what they call meticulously curating a local-centric approach. And so they call it true local relevance. And I would say the, the emphasis here is on true. They want to serve what their guests want and what they need. And so with that, they've introduced, for example, a multi-layer coffee drink uh, called Quartet Latte. Uh, they have salted egg yolk uh, Timbits. So they are playing a little bit on the Canadian uh, roots here. But as you can see, they adapt these products uh, significantly or they're entirely uh, new products. But of course, you can also have a cappuccino um, anytime uh, uh, there you like. This is like an American uh, Starbucks. Even even so, some coffee purists might say you should drink your your cappuccino before uh, eleven o'clock. But but again, they they will cater to what their customers want, and they will ignore if they have to uh, the traditional world of coffee or the traditional world of coffee etiquette. All right, Dirk, that sounds really good to me. And fair enough, if we like double doubles here, they can have whatever they like there. Forget what the coffee purists have to say, in my opinion. But What's the second pillar? Yeah, the, the second pillar that they talk about is continuous innovation. And it's really connected to uh, to the first pillar because they're introducing 30 products every year that can only be sold in China. So this is just a, 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 an amazing number of new products. We, we already uh, mentioned the Quartet Latte. Uh, they also have a peach and coconut latte, which they say reminds their customers of their childhood uh, summer break. So they, they're really creating that local uh, flavor. And uh, uh, so you can see again how that second pillar of innovation of innovation ties into uh, the first one of a true local uh, experience. And, and they even will differ the offering from one Chinese city to, uh, to another. So it is very, very, very local and it is very innovative. Wow, Dirk, that's amazing. I can only imagine all these new Tim's products in China every year. And we're excited here in Canada when we get one new product. So upwards of 20, 30, that sounds fantastic. I remember when at Tim's they offered their first cappuccino before it was just coffee or decaf coffee. And that was that. So love the innovation. Sounds like a fascinating field. But those are two pillars. What's the third one? Yeah, the, the, th the third pillar is what they call genuine community. All right. Very traditional to coffee. That sounds like a bit of a throwback to those early coffee houses in Vienna and Istanbul. I love the history. But I guess the emphasis here, just hearing it on, it's not community. It's genuine community. Yeah, so Christian, that, that that that's again, it's it's like it's like the the earlier ones that that they're really honing in on these on these concepts, and so they envision the outlets as a second home where people can socialize or study or just have a cup of coffee, and of course other coffee chains do that too, but then they intertwine that approach with various uh, communities, so they are co-branding with cosmetic brands or they're diving into esports, uh, and and so they're really trying to morph attempts into a community hub 
not just a, a coffee shop. So so you can enjoy a coffee or a quartet latte with people who share my interests in uh, esports, uh, for example. Second home, that's next level indeed. So Dirk, let's get to the fourth one. Yeah, fourth one, uh, they call absolute uh, convenience. And again, it's not just any convenience, it is absolute uh, convenience. And and so Tim's is cultivating different store formats to cater to uh, diverse customer convenience expectations. And so you can go to a big flagship store, uh, you can go to a small uh, neighborhood pop-up store, or you can go to a kiosk. Uh, they of course, have a full mobile technology integration for streamlined ordering and and delivering. So they are combining digital finesse, if you will, uh, with very convenient physical accessibility and, and advanced digital functionality. That that really is a must-have in, in China. Derek, I got to say that sounds good. I wish Tim's here bought onto this absolute convenience aspect. But thinking about this situation in China, it sounds very interesting. But just getting a sense of the field and the coffee competition, wouldn't there other contenders be doing the same thing? Yeah, Krishna, uh, that's a great question. And I suppose so, because Starbucks, they are experts at global coffee marketing, and their international success and track record really speaks uh, for, for, for itself. But then what struck me when I was watching the Tim's presentation was really how determined uh, they are to really execute, how can we say, full force uh, on all these strategies, is how far they're uh, taking this. And and of course, this 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 highlights uh, again some things that are necessary for the execution of of their of the strategy. Okay, Dirk, you got to unpack that for us. Yeah. So so first of all, they highlight that their their people are really the most important element of of strategy uh, and and execution. And um, these people uh, they're driven to make Tim's the, the number one in in China. And and you can really tell at least from the people you meet in the presentation they have a really a passion for the brand, for the product, uh, the local market, and their customers. So, so so people is really the one thing underpinning all of these. Uh, strategic uh, strategic moves. Okay, so people, number one priority, what comes after that? Yeah, the, the other element underpinning their strategy is that absolutely embracing data and digital te uh, technologies throughout the enterprise. And again, this is what China and Chinese customers are known for. Known for. They have a tech-driven business and they have a tech-driven consumer. And it's just uh, expected. But this is not just with the customer facing things like ordering systems and uh, I guess loyalty cards and 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 all of those things it, it also includes advanced data analytics to really get those consumer insights and they need that for their their 30 new uh, products they they get feedback on, on which products are hit which are not uh, they have digital marketing strategies they have a very 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 powerful uh, influencer uh, community the right person just picking up that drink can make a a huge difference and of course digital ordering we already talked about logistics and and so on and what they also are doing is combine combining data from all these uh, different sources and that that can just be really really powerful right dirk so it sounds like people plus data equals the four pillar strategy becoming a reality yeah that that's that's really good that's a really good way of putting it uh Christian. all right dirk so i guess the question we're all waiting for here is is this successful? Is it working out? Yeah, so that's that's good, and it it it's working out uh, from what we can see. Certainly on the revenue side, so their sales have grown 
really, really impressively. They have opened up many, many, many stores. But uh, what we, what's being pointed out um, when the Wall Street Journal uh, writes about this, that costs have also grown. And so it looks like they still have some uh, work to do. So we leave some info in the notes. So, so it's still a bit of a work in progress. All right, Dirk, that, that sounds good. More info in the notes. And I'm guessing we love talking about coffee here. So we'll be talking about coffee some more in the future and the business and leadership principles related to it. But I think we have one last question related to everything we talked about. This might be the most important question we ever asked on the Jamar Leadership Podcast here. But what is your coffee preference? <laughs> that is a great question. And well, not surprisingly, I'm partial to a uh, European style coffee, so I like it uh, uh, a little bit stronger and mm. a little bit smaller uh, uh, portion, and and I like to sample what's local. So so when I was in Amsterdam, as I said, I brought home a couple of bags of the house brand from a, a local uh, a shop, and and I have actually in front of me my my favorite coffee cup, which is from a coffee cup a coffee chain in in Spain. Uh, I was in, in Madrid earlier. And, and so favorite is the local answer to Starbucks. I bought a couple of, of mugs there. So if you go to Spain, check that out. And then I use a Miele fully automatic espresso and coffee machine. Uh, so it's bean to cup, as they say, it makes great coffee, cappuccino and other fancy drinks just as a push off the button. So I having my own coffee experience right here in the in the home in the home office. Wow, Dirk, as a Canadian, you've betrayed the Tim's double-double. I'm just hearing here, very European, as you said, Dutch coffee in a Spanish coffee cup made in a German machine. This is really as European as it gets. So really into the history there and not so much the, the local pride in the double-double. I guess, I guess you're right there. Yeah. All right, Dirk, I won't pretend that I'm disappointed because I think I might be in the same boat. But let me just summarize what we talked about today. Coffee is a serious global business and a good industry to observe international strategies at work, especially in the consumer industry context. Tim's International's expressive expansion in China has a four-pronged strategy calling for true local relevance, continuous innovation, genuine community, and perhaps my favorite, absolute convenience. And all of this is supported by passionate and driven people and a lot of data. Dirk, what do you think about that? I think, Christian, that's it in a nutshell. Thank you so much. All right, Dirk, that's wonderful. We'll have to keep an eye on China and their coffee industry, but that's all the time we have for today. As always, more information in the show notes. You can find some relevant articles, but we're so glad that we're back for a third season. Thank you so much for everyone who's joined us, who's waited during the long break to be back. As always, if you have any questions or comments, please be sure to get in touch. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. But as always, we're on the show. We're trying to discuss leadership principles, and we want to do so consistently. So we hope that you'll join us back in about two weeks' time, and we'll be uh, unpacking another topic and another issue with our leadership expert, Dirk, and of course, me, your host, Christian. So we'll see you in a couple weeks. Take care.